I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The Self-Helpful Podcast is brought to you by Ziggler, your premier source for equipping life and leadership coaches. Visit Ziggler.com and let them inspire your true coaching performance. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for joining me as I talk with today's most important influencers, guides, and changemakers to uncover what truly drives them and extract the big takeaway from their personal journeys and their greatest wisdom. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and this is Self-Helpful. In this episode, we continue this series on emotional power. And the last episode, my guest expert was Dr. Julia DeGangi, a neuropsychologist who completed her residency at Harvard Medical School. Dr. Ganji's new book is the is Energy Rising, the Neuroscience of Leading with Emotional Power. And we discussed how to discover and correct your self-limiting patterns. That's what I titled the show. Today, however, I brought Britt Frank back on the show to go deeper with this discussion. Uh, we did a series together on anxiety with Britt. You can find that episode or that series starting at episode 1197. Britt is a licensed neuropsychotherapist and trauma expert who is trained in IFS, internal family systems, and somatic experiencing. She's a speaker and an award-winning adjunct instructor at the University of Kansas, where she's taught classes on ethics, addiction and clinical social work. Her book, for those of you watching the video, you can see it behind me uh, along with Dr. DeGangis. Her book, uh, which was the muse for our series we did together on anxiety, is The Science of Stuck, Breaking Through Inertia to Find Your Path Forward. Britt, I wish I had a dollar for every time I've talked about you and the series we did on anxiety and your book, The Science of Stuck. And I'm just stoked to be back with you today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me back. I'm so excited that we get to noodle around on these topics. When I did it with, uh, you know, with, with uh, Julia, I did. I just thought of you and some of the topics that we talked about in our series uh, together. And you're kind of my muse on, you know, looking at anxiety. And that is your body doing what it's supposed to do. We just don't pay attention to it. And I felt kind of a resonance with her looking at 
emotional power and perspectives and, and some of those things. So again, it came up. So, but I, I, I can, I always have a, a tangent to go on. You listen to the show uh, with Julia and I know you checked her stuff out and just, yeah, wondered if there were some specific things that bubbled up to the surface, some concerns, some areas where you're like, oh man, I resonate with that. Tell me what came to the surface. Well, first of all, and let's make no mistake, she's brilliant watching it. I had my imposter parts come up like, oh my gosh, like this woman is smart and funny and like articulate. Holy crap. So yay, pro. And I mean, I cannot wait till her book comes out. I will read it. I really enjoyed your conversation. So yay, go Thanks. Julia. I especially loved that as someone who is so academically, you know, she's Harvard and she's a doctor and she's talking about emotional energy. It's a real yeah. thing. It's a thing that you can study. It's not just this woo woo pocus pocus thing, especially about the contagion of emotions where she was talking yeah. about when you walk into a room, you could instantly be completely fire hosed or on the opposite side, instantly uplifted because emotions aren't just these magical constructs. They're real things with their biophysical, they're physiological. So it was so cool to hear someone who's so credentialed and so respected in the field saying what lots of people have said, but is easy to ignore that emotions are not just these things we can get away with ignoring. They run the show. It, thank you. That's, it's really daunting to me, Britt, to think about that because I am a natural performer. You know how to win friends, influence people, come in, read the room and try to meet everybody where they're at. Even if I'm full of anxiety, fear, there's something bothering me. I just had a big you know, fight with somebody or I've got a financial worry or whatever and think I can hide it. And maybe I can to a degree, but I'm so curious, yeah, from your standpoint that that energy leads. And I say the word daunting because I mainly think of my kids, my family, that when I walk in the door, that whatever's undergirding there. And I'm a, I'm, I've been a, not even a stuffer so much of just ignorant. I just, I didn't have a play. We talked about that on the show with you. And yet in being, that, that bothers me even more and being ignorant and just thinking I'm stuffing it. It's exuding out there and it touches everybody. That's, that's big. I mean, that's hardcore. It's daunting and it, it's it's bad news because for people who've not paid attention, the implications yeah. are, you know, yeah. what she was talking about, you can't give from an energy you don't have. So if you're trying to love on your kids and you are in a complete deficit, they're going to feel that incongruent. And again, nothing in, is, is malicious. There's no harm being you know, intentionally conducted, but the relational ruptures that happen when someone is trying to give from an energy deficit are real. So it's daunting in that, oh crap, how many times have I unintentionally created these moments? But it's also incredibly encouraging because what when she's talking about leadership starting within, as soon as you start paying attention to, you know, the point, and I don't have children, but I've been a play therapist for a decade and I've sat with enough children and witnessed enough of these ruptures. It's not the ruptures that mess the kids up. It's the, it's the parents that are not willing to look at where the ruptures. It's, and again, she talked about you go to the gym, no one blinks when you, your muscles hurt, right? You have to tear them to rebuild them and then they grow back stronger. Right. So relational ruptures are not, even though they're unfortunate, they're, they're not deal breakers. They're opportunities for even, I mean, what's stronger? A parent who's perfect or a parent who is incongruent and messes up and then can go back to that kiddo and say, you know what? You know, if you felt a little weird when I said that, you, you're not, 
you know, you're not making that up. You know, when you're like, dad, are you okay? And I said, yes, I actually wasn't. And you totally understood that it's unintentional, but we want to validate their experience. Like kids know when we're not okay. Okay. Go right there. Brit, because I literally was talking about that. So uh, my my best friend, uh, Randy James, he co-hosts a lot of show, Dr. James, we just had lunch out on the deck and we're talking about that. And it was literally, I was talking about some of my own history. I don't know what term you would use, but feeling like, because it was out of ignorance. So not in touch with my own feelings, my emotional intelligence, which we just did a series on. So low out of ignorance. I didn't know what I didn't know. So I can have grace for myself. And yet I didn't. And my history is somebody says something or something happens or are you okay? And I'm I'm fine. I I do. I want to be fine. But the truth is that's a total lie. No, I'm terrified or I'm bitter or I'm whatever. And that's what is so weighty to me now. The, what I missed out on and what I ruptured by not being honest because there was a level of, I was holding in, you know, whatever bitterness or whatnot, as opposed to saying, you know what, actually X, Y, Z happened or you said something that really bothered me. I'm, I'm kind of struggling with that. No offense, no blame, whatever, but I, it, that's the honesty. So you might see a little bit of tension in that is not. So I'm sitting here at 52 years, Brit. this is brand new stuff. <laughs> and isn't it great that you get to know it now? And that you get to pass it on to your kids. And again, it's not an age thing. You know, like I'm, I'm grown. I'm 43. My opportunity to be parented in a perfectly awesome, emotionally intelligent way by my own parents, that ship has sailed. I don't sit and harbor resentment, but even at this age to have, and this hasn't happened. So yay to you that you're doing this. If one of my parents came to me and was like, you know what? Out of my own ignorance, I missed a few things and that probably had an impact on you. That would be like water to my soul. It doesn't happen and it's not going to, but you get to do that for the people that you love and for the people that love you. And again, I don't care if it's a year, a decade or a lifetime of little mini ruptures, nothing will heal a human heart faster than having someone who unintentionally or not inflicted the wound say, I did this and I see you. Like, wow, imagine the world if we could all have our pain validated. Okay. Well, you just nailed something. I'm going to give kudos to both of us. You ready? I, in my series with you and and honestly here with uh, Julia DeGangi as well, their messages as I read your guys' books on these aspects that I gave you guys credit for. So here I'm, you know, I did the series with Britt and took it to my older kids and said, guys, you have grown up with a dad who has always been had anxiety, not always negative. Sometimes it's I am anxiety about the good things, but that's what you, that's the spirit, the energy back to that, that you have grown up with and it affected you in the story. And I feel like as a parent, that is my saving grace. I can't go fix the programming that I gave them. I mean, my oldest kid's 28 years old. I can't fix that. I can come back now and say, dude, they, they were, uh, the whole crew was back recently. And uh, on, there were some things I said, guys, you've you got to go listen to these messages because this is what I programmed you with. Uh, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have grace. I didn't know what I didn't know. But you now, though, you can know this was your programming. This was your propensity or this was my, mine. And it, this is now part of your. Well, how would you say that? I mean, it's part of their programming. This is if you had a client, you want to know what they're dealing with, what they've dealt with. And I'm telling my kids, take this to your counselor. Let them know that this was your dad. Is that fair? Which is heroic. I mean, really, the the amount because the the immediate default for parents is shame. 
oh my God, what have I done? Oh my God, I've messed up my kids. But when you sit in that shame spiral, you're still not seeing your kid. Shame makes it a bubble where it's all about you. But like, hey, I raised you in this energy. You need to know this because it impacted you. And I just want you to know you're not crazy. Like that's something I say a lot. There's no such thing as a crazy person. But for a 28-year-old to be making their way out into the world with a parent who will name that, that's five years of therapy they don't have to do because you handed it to them. It's like It took me six years in therapy to even figure out I had a dysfunctional childhood. But you're handing it up on a platter and there's courage and grace. And again, your kids might not be the one to pat you on the head and say good job but it's it's important that you give yourself credit for that they're pretty great well thank you a couple of things you said you said rupture you you mentioned that term rupturing relationship uh a couple times back to this aspect of energy and emotional power i think what is again weighty to me is how often and i can say i'm going to say i but we as people We'll come into something when we're not being attuned to our feelings and having some honesty, at least even unto ourselves, even if we don't divulge it, how often that energy, even though we're trying to do the good thing, we're trying to be, what's the word that Randy and I are just using? Uh, valiant. Uh, maybe that's a more of a guy term, but to be valiant and righteous by not saying what we actually feel, right? And by doing that, how often have we, let's take it to where it's acute to our wife or something. We're not being honest. How was your day? I was fine. You know, it's terrible. We just got fired, you know, and, and how are you feeling? I feel great. Well, I actually just like me, it just about shattered a bunch of bones. Uh, totally like it comes out and then there's a rupture 15 minutes down and I'm going, well, what the heck? I, I was, I'm being nice. I'm being, I'm trying to do the right thing. And you just ruptured. And how often is that not to place a blame? I don't want to, I, I don't know if I should say it's my fault, but dude, she's feeling it. She can feel it here. Is that, is that relevant? Yes. And that goes back to Dr. DeGanchi's work where she talks about, you know, people picking up on other people's emotions and our words and our emotions, you know, the the emotions are going to rule the day. One thing she said that I really liked, I would, I would nuance it a little, but she's just so incredibly articulate. She said, anxiety is a dysfunctional relationship with uncertainty. And I really liked that. But the nuancing that's relevant to what you and I are talking about Anxiety is a dysfunctional relationship with truth. You know, it's like, what's the truth? I can't control this. You were talking about, you know, law of large numbers with nine kiddos. The likelihood that something could happen isn't as small as someone who has two children. But the anxiety of I need to control it. I need to prepare for it. I need to plan for it is a dysfunctional relationship with the truth that you can't. And, you know, when you break a bone or you shatter seven bones or you collapse a lung or something bad happens, all of these ways in which we don't want to acknowledge our humanity and our frailty and all of the things that I don't like about being human, which I can't control and whatever, it's a dysfunctional relationship with truth. Or you could take it a step further. Anxiety is, is a dysfunctional relationship with grief because the fact is, is yeah. a lot of things happen that we can't control and we can shame ourselves, but even shame is a way to bypass grief. Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. 
Nobody knows it all on Yahoo Finance is a, an incredible resource for the rookies like me or the seasoned investors. You know, before my dad passed away recently, Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, flew down to visit. We all got to spend a day together. And I was at yahoofinance.com just now. I saw multiple news flashes from Dave and other people that you respect. And they're hitting so many of the hottest areas in finance today. So it's a place to get a snapshot of all aspects of your financial interests. And if you have them, your portfolios. I hadn't realized Yahoo Finance is the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. So for your comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. One more time. YahooFinance.com. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is. And Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. I live high up in the Rocky Mountains where the air is clean and fresh as possible, but then I step indoors and I'm breathing in untold amounts of toxins and allergens from paint and carpet and cleaning chemicals and pets and furniture and appliances and mold and so on. Studies show the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air anywhere you are. And in some places it's a hundred times worse than that. Well, the solution is to get an air purifier and air doctor is just the best out there. It filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen and pet dander and dust mites and mold and even bacteria and viruses so your lungs don't have to try to do that. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee so if you don't love it just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com. You can use the promo code KEVIN and depending on the model you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get the special deal, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code KEVIN. Okay, I want to look at that. With with truth specifically, and I should say, I was going to say in the intro. I don't know if we're going to post this on social media necessarily. We keep talking about shattered bones. So I'm sitting here doing the show with Britt in a sling. Two days ago, had a big mountain bike wreck, and I fractured seven bones. So uh, there, that's the reference point there. Uh, So ridiculous. Yeah. So I, you know, it's a good one. I can't lie. 
I can't be, I can't be uh, dishonest with the truth because my family sees me grimacing. I can't hardly stand up or go to the bathroom or do anything, but that's interesting with the truth because that is my past. And so often I think our, again, our past, I am going to pick on men uh, on that, that we are bred to have this dysfunctional or dishonest relationship with the truth. No, I really feel this way. And we wanted, I think I, I know I didn't. And a lot of my friends, we feel like it's this protecting thing. So, okay. Kudos, you know, a little hand clap for that. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Does not work. And that's what gets me. And it builds up. And I've seen for me, what it does over time is it builds up bitterness and distance. So I realized that, okay, if I'm sitting here right now, you said something, did something, something happened and I just shelf it or ignore it or whatever. What I'm doing is my mental image is I just took another brick and chinked it on the wall. And over time, there's well, that's what I'm doing with this. You know what though? Look, can you go, you know, Connor. So, uh, you know, Connor Beaton, one of your friends and he, I've been paraphrasing this. I'm going to take the opportunity to have you, um, define it a little better maybe, uh, or see if I'm on track that he says something in the essence this is my paraphrasing that it's not calling all men to say, Hey guys, you all need to be, you know, super emotional, but that, and he says it from a woman's standpoint, but they do want us to understand, be in touch with our emotions and be able to manage them as opposed to I'll take myself not being ignorant or repressing them and then letting it build up. And then there's the, the blow up, the midlife crisis, the affair, the loss of a job or whatever, that there's a fear there in our emotional stoicness. Am I tracking right? Yeah. And I love Connor's work so much because he says things in such a way that they make sense. And he says them in a way that only a man can say to, you know, like there's lots of things I can share and say, but sometimes as a woman, I need to hear it from a woman. And sometimes as a man, you need to hear it from a man. But the fact is, and what Connor's talking about is also what Julia is talking about. If we're talking about leadership, and if you want to talk about true from the male archetype, valiance and the true heroism and the the true protection is about being able to lead and not leading from our emotions, not vomiting every emotion that you feel on top of your love. You know, it's about being aware of all, I call them your inner team and your inner team is going to have people and parts that feel all kinds of ways, but being able to speak on their behalf. I cannot lead my own mind if I'm not aware of all of the different aspects. And then I certainly can't communicate to the people. So when you were talking about if someone says or does something that bothers you, you say you're fine, you put the brick up, but then you turn around and go home and your wife says to you, how was your day? And you say, it's fine. You've just put another brick up and now you're slowly walling yourself in. So it's not vomit your feelings all over the place. I, that is so unskillful and unhealthy and toxic. It's, you cannot lead a team if you do not know every single team, like a good coach knows the strengths and skills and weaknesses of all of the players, knows what makes them tick, knows how to motivate them. And we need to be able to do that on behalf of every single voice in our head. But if we ignore them, then we're not leading them. We're just leaving them to their own devices. And a team without a coach doesn't tend to, that doesn't go well. There's a reason that even the highest caliber athletes in the world all have coaches. Our brains are very much the same. Like we've got to lead the team, which means we need to know the team. I love that analogy. And of course, guys like that, sports teams, come on. So what you're saying, I'm going to put it back. 
is you know, we all want to go in the leadership. And I think about that too. When I th- see the term leadership, you think about it externally, leading other people, influence other people. And as, as you say, and Julia said in our show together, the first leadership is with self. But I love how you put that. So if I look at that and go, okay, the things that I am feeling, the emotions that I'm having, those are my team members. And as you said, like with anxiety, they're all doing what they're supposed to do. They're showing up saying, hey, here we are. Um, you called on us. We got the message there or, you know, whatever the, that happened. We're here and acknowledge them. And what would you say, though? Are we making, we're understanding them? Because I was going to say we want to make peace with them. Mm-mm. Okay, what? No, and this is what Julia talked about. These emotions carry energy. And most of the problems we bump into relationally and with anxiety is when these emotions get stuck and they get trapped in our bodies and we can't move through them. So the goal isn't to make peace with your emotions and the goal isn't to just like cosine on them. The goal is to figure out how do I move all of this charge through my body? Endurance athletes, this is a really great corollary because endurance athletes often will perform, but there's a degree to which you have to disconnect from your body to function at that level, right? And so we want to be able to move these emotions through our body, but mindfully. So in other words, if you're angry because something happened at work and you take and you run 50 miles and you're disconnected and you're just executing, you're just logging the miles, that's not going to move the anger through your body because you've disconnected to do that run. It might be that you run two miles, but every step of that run, you're conscious about, I am angry and I feel the anger in my arms and I'm going to swing my arm. And there's lots of ways to move trapped emotional energy through the body. Um, It requires mindfulness. But yeah, the goal is to figure out how how do I move this? How do I, you know, we do live in physical bodies. We don't live in floating heads. And so we've got to be able to connect head and heart through movements in order to like make these emotions move through us. Ex- explain it more. I mean, cause that's one where I'm grappling with that now. So I'm supposed to feel this emotion and okay. I appreciate you saying that because it feels like, oh, do I make peace with it? Or you no, to move through it. I think the average person like me, and again, many guys to move through it, what does it feel like to feel it? Because of course we get that cultural programming that if we feel it and really engage with it, it's just going to overwhelm us. And then we're out of control. And I, for one, don't want to be out of control. Uh, And so how do I feel that in a healthy way and come through the tunnel out to the other side, having benefited from it, as opposed to closing it off, because I don't want to get lost in it. And Julie talked about that, right? The avoidance of the thing creates more of a pain point than just moving into the thing. And again, the reason I have a job, the reason therapists have jobs is because it's really scary and daunting to try to feel difficult, challenging feelings. Again, even the highest caliber athletes have coaches, like all human. I have a therapist and a coach. All humans should, because even with my skill set, when I'm at level 10 difficult emotions, I'm not going to be able to do it myself. And so, you know, finding people with whom can like for you, you had an accident, right? There's an entire body of, of work just around how to move trapped emotions as it relates to accidents. There's a book called Crash Course that talks just about car accidents that even if it's a minor fender bender, there's going to be emotions. There's powerlessness and there's overwhelm and there's your body didn't get to protect itself, right? Like otherwise you wouldn't have broken anything. Your right. body didn't get to do what it needed to do. And so Tuning in to all of that doesn't make you go into overwhelm. Avoiding it does. It's very counterintuitive. Let's, but let's, can we play? 
Yeah. You, you, want it? you can invoice me after. Ha. Okay. So keep in mind this, we don't have the setting or anything for well, a I'm going to give you one though. Just yeah. like, so, so here's, here's what's event. So, I mean, I, I was a pro cyclist. I can, I can boogie on a bike. One of the guys on the ride is a literally national champion downhiller and we're, we're going, and this is my area of competence. There's plenty. I mean, we're having fun, but there's ego in it and pride and all that kind of stuff. So just an admission and I'm out there playing with it. I lost it. I lost, I haven't done that. I mean, I can't remember. I, there's maybe a wreck, hardly even a wreck. I mean, I'm on it. And this one, I didn't just lose a little bit. I, it was a catastrophe. I mean, we had, uh, we're three miles out. Uh, somebody had to take my bike three miles, had to walk my bike. They had to interrupt their ride and walk my bike out. I had to walk out with another guy and it took me a while before I could even stand up and breathe. And honestly, one of the key initial thoughts is just embarrassment. Shame, man, this is, I'm a stud out here. And now I'm not, I'm that guy that they're having to help out of the woods that I have not always had a whole lot of compassion for. I'm never that guy, man. I can hold my stuff out here. How does it feel in your body to say that right now? How does it feel? Kind of fluttery. I Where? think within my, maybe my, maybe my, come up, maybe my chest a little bit. So notice that stay with it. Really tune into the fluttering and just don't do anything. Just notice it. Do I accept it? Am I, am nope. I, okay. you're just noticing it. It's there. We're, okay. we're neutral, neither for nor against. Just notice that your chest is fluttering and you had your hand on your chest. You can put your hand back there mm -hmm. and then just see what you notice next. We're just talking, noticing that you have a body and it's doing stuff. Like what does it do next? It's really hard to feel like that, yeah. Britt, yeah. to feel because I, my thinking overrides it. Yeah. Do you see you're doing it now? So yeah. go back into your chest, go right back to that sensation of fluttering. If we were in my office, I'd be like, wow, with a two by four, like, nope, we're not going to process this. You're going to go right back in and you're going to notice what's happening. Like you have shoulders and arms and a chest and organs and legs and feet. What's happening in there? Yeah, it feels, um, it, it, does, it, it, but it, it, it right away reeks a little bit of, of lack of control. I want to shut it down. That's an, that's a thought. That's not a feeling. That's a thought. Yeah. Go back to yeah. That's a thought. That's not a a feeling. Is fluttery, buzzy, loose, tight, warm, cold, tense. You know, relaxed. We're going body sensations here. I'm being so hard on you right now. By the okay, way, that's fair. well, right now, and we're also recording this. I, now I got anxiety. Now I'm kind of like going, oh, geez, I don't. I'm I'm on I'm on camera. You know, I'm, yeah. so I feel that too. Where feels kind of hot in the chest. There it is, which is beautiful work. And notice that we did two minutes of yeah. what is a somatic based, a body based exercise and you didn't die and paying attention to the sensations. If we were going to extend that for an hour, you might connect with some sadness. You might connect with some anger or or whatever, but it deactivates the charge to notice them versus I'm ignoring what's in here. And you started revving as you were trying to analyze it. Yeah, I, I did. I, I, my, what I did, Britt, is I went to thinking about the shoulds. Yeah. Thinking about I should have grace. Yeah. I should now have more compassion for other people and myself. I am human. I, my wife keeps telling me that. And, uh, it, but it's the thoughts and they, it almost feels without you say, well, here, I'm, I'm doing a pitch for coach for, for counseling therapy because without that, it feels impossible for you to tell me, don't think about it. Feel it. Don't think. It feels impossible. I'll tell you a story about a client I had who is also a really high level athlete, super disconnected from his body, fully yeah. in his head. 
And I mean, this guy was so disconnected from his body that in the dead of winter, in, he could not sense cold. Like he came into my office in a t-shirt and shorts. And I'm like, it's 10 degrees out. It's below zero with the wind chill. And he's just in his head process. We went outside into the snow and I had this guy pick up snow in his hand. I'm like, we're going to stand out here until you can register that your hand is cold. And it took a minute, but that's, that's how we have to start when you've been so profoundly disconnected from your felt sense, from your emotional energy. You have to start with the basics. And so this guy started with my hand is cold. Great. Welcome to the body that you now live in. And over time, he was able to tolerate the very, very challenging things, not snows melting in my hands, but wow, a thing happened and I have sadness. A thing happened and I feel anger. A thing happened and I feel this way or that way about it. But the felt sense of the body goes largely ignored by most wellness practices. It's like think positive and just mind over mood and, you know, attitude and gratitude. But we live in bodies and you can't bypass them if you want to move emotional energy through. Okay. I'm thinking about the reality of it. So let's go back to my wreck. So we're three miles out on the trail and, and there's a bunch of guys. And at the time, I think I would go back and go, okay, what I did, which is, oh, breathe through it, you know, make sure that I can walk, can I? Okay, let's go get down. So great time to be able to disconnect. Is it? Uh, that's a great, that may be a relevant time, like in battle, like in a, you know, the middle of a, of a, of a big professional game and a whatever. Okay. That's when it's great to be able to disconnect from your body and do what it takes, you know, and get to the yeah. end or whatever. But then I do that. And then we just go on and I stay disconnected. And now you're saying, okay, maybe when you get in the car, Kevin, and you're riding back with a couple of guys to be honest with how you feel, or maybe if you don't want to do it there, then get home and do it with your family. Okay. If I don't want to do it with them, can I sit by my own darn self? Okay. We're right there though. That is what I have literally had therapists tell me in my emotional unintelligence. And they said, Kevin, instead of going on a 50 mile run or doing whatever and medicating, uh, just sit with it. I hear it and it kind of logically makes sense, but I don't know how to sit with it, Britt. Yeah. I, I, what but does that you mean? Do. But you do, because we just did. Okay. And it's a practice, right? It, it, if you were in my office right now, I would have you squeeze something like a fidget or whatever in your hand and be like, your other, your good arm, squeeze it until you feel your muscles engage. Because again, when you're an athlete, your muscles are engaged and everything's firing. You don't really pay attention anymore to the heat or what's happening. So yeah. you start with just physical sensations. Like right now, how does your arm, your, your busted arm, how does it feel? I'm disassociating. Yeah. So tune into it and see how it feels. Yeah. I mean, well, I actually just kind of accidentally, one of the things I broke was my thumb and I just kind of hit it. And I'm thinking about you with the cold guy. And right now I cannot, I cannot uh, disassociate enough that some stuff hurts. And if I, you see me fidgeting a little bit and I think even that, I think that's why it's so, I am so out of sorts when I like through the night and just being in misery and I don't, I don't know who this person is to be in this type of misery. I'm so, and how different would it be? God forbid this happens in a year from now, but if I'm in touch and I'm not disassociated, would it be far less painful, at least emotionally? Yeah. And it's a stacking of skills, right? Yeah. So you start with the physiology. My thumb hurts. I broke it. Great. Then once you get fluent in how to identify the fluttering in your chest or the tension in your stomach or your jaw tensing up, then it's what are the emotions? Because you, if you can't do basic 
feeling sense stuff, emotions are going to be impossible. So don't expect yourself. Like, again, I'm not an endurance athlete. I would not expect myself to be able to go out and run like that if I hadn't had some training. So you train for this level of emotional intelligence by starting with your body sensations. Then you start paying attention to the emotions. And then again, my entire body of work is based upon the things that you then do with it. You're not supposed to know what to do with it. That's why I have a job. But the sitting with it, the story that's sitting with it will turn me into a shadow of who I am and I will be lost and engulfed in it. That is the story of every person who, I mean, and I can say this as a drug addict. My story was if I sober up, I will be filled with so much shame. I will die. So I got to stay two steps ahead of myself at all times. I was like a speed freak. Like I will move fast enough that I can outrun it. But sitting in it skillfully Again, we don't want to wallow, but there's a skillful way in which you sit with emotions. And when you do that, they deactivate. The charge moves through, and then you can tolerate that this is now your story. Okay, you know, I, you- I, I want you to talk more there because uh, that was where I was about to go. So, so my tendency, and I think a lot of people, and again, maybe men, well, men uh, more so are going to disassociate and not sit with it, go through it. They're just going to wall it off, shut it off, repress uh, which I think Connor talks a lot about here that we get taught in, in repression. Now over here though, you of course have folks and their, their literal tendency unhealth on the other side though, is to fall into it and it's going to overwhelm. So scared to death because they, especially I would guess to say, especially those who have literally dealt with significant tra- big T traumas, that they're over there and have uh, just as much motive, if not more, to, man, I am not going to sit in that or go through it because I'm going to get lost in it and go down to hell. Um, so now go to, because you just said, I think you used the word, to skillfully go through that. So help that side. S- speak to it on that side. Yeah. And it's not just big big T trauma stuff. Like your accident is a big T physical trauma, right? Mm -hmm. But you you don't experience a physical trauma independent of an emotional trauma. So now that this thing happened, what does it mean about this? And now I can't do the thing like tomorrow, you're not going to get up and be able to do what you did last week. And there's a lot of implications with that, but you're so right. I'm really glad you said it. You don't just want to charge headfirst into your feelings because then that will take you down and that will cause a lot of problems. But there's a way in which that you you can slowly learn to metabolize this experience in a way where you, it doesn't get stuck. It doesn't turn into bitterness. It doesn't turn into depression. It doesn't turn into avoidance. I have been playing with the term mastery. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be able to understand. First, I have to understand. So emotional intelligence, I want to understand them and then have mastery in them. I, I'm probably saying that I've, been, I've just been with over the past two weeks with guys groups, uh, guys, adventure groups, you know, guys doing, doing stuff. And I thought that would speak to them better to say, look, it's again, it's not about you becoming this emotional blubbering person. You're never going to be, but if, but to master, you want to kick ass, you want to be a leader, master your own emotions, which you got to understand them. Really? We don't, we don't really do it. Yeah. You got to understand. So we're gonna have to get in touch with our team members as you talked about yep. and then have mastery over them. You do that. And man, your level of, cause we're, we tend to be so focused on achievement. We have about achievement with peace and fulfillment and with less anxiety. Uh, as it's we're. not just the soft stuff though. Cause I work right. with a lot of men and they're like, I don't want peace. I don't, I don't want contentment. I want to, I want to kick ass in this world. It's like, okay, great. What you're talking about. And I love the word mastery. Cause what we're talking about is internal leadership mastery, okay. which you cannot do if you don't know how emotions work. 
internal leadership mastery is going to make you a very potent force in the world. Like you think you're a high achiever now at like the level that you're at when you're disconnected and you're disassociated and you're disengaged and you're still able to execute. Think about how much more is available for you when we like actually align all of the voices in your head. So they're playing together as a team with a leader in charge of them then you're unstoppable. And more so, then you get to enjoy your success. Because I know plenty of people that can do all the things and still feel like crap. Yeah. Imagine if you can do all the things at a higher level, high performance, and then also be able to enjoy it once you get there. What's the point of achieving all that stuff if you're not going to be able to enjoy the fact that you did it? I love that. And what you've got me thinking about now is I think you know, so I, I go through a trial or I achieve something of worth. I still want to do that, those things. I still want to have those achievements. But when I am not in touch with and going through, like you said, skillfully the emotions, I come out on the other side exhausted. I, I'm, I'm spent or I'm bitter or I'm whatever. So I did the thing. I want to come out with it and not be so wasted. Right. Is that what, if that, exactly. that's, that's a hope I go, dude, I want that. I want, it's, I want to do the thing. Okay. Oh, sorry. It, it was what Julia was saying. It takes so much energy to yeah. ignore what's already there. And then you're depleted. She was talking about the overs, overworking and over-functioning and over-engaging yeah. and over-exercising. That leaves you depleted and exhausted. And self-leadership mastery is the antidote. I was talking to a, a client of mine who runs a big company. And I was like, we're talking about his team. And he's like, can I just fire them? I'm like, no, like you can't act like you have, you can reorg your system, but you can't actually fire any of the voices in your head because they're you. So what would you do if your leadership team was into as much chaos as your emotional life is? He said, I probably call them in for a one-on-one -on -one and figure out what's going on. And that's the, that's the tool is one emotion at a time we want to have. And this is going to sound so woo woo weird, but it's, it's science and it works. Yeah. We don't want to just be thinking, I feel this way and I and me and my think of these team members as separate people and have a con I have another client who puts out two coffee cups in the morning and they will talk to themselves as if they're happy because science has shown that we're more kinder and more quick to listen to other people than to ourselves. Yeah. So when you talk to yourself as if it's another person sitting there, hi, part of Kevin that crashed on that bike, who's feeling really frustrated. I want to talk about your frustration. Hi, part of Kevin that crashed on the bike is in physical pain. Let's talk about that and have one-on-ones with all of these different parts of yourself. And again, it creates an inner alignment that then generates energy instead of depletes it. Thank you. This is the point of why I do this show is the paradigm shifts that help us be able to embrace something that we've heard a thousand times and we're not. Your statement right there about your client saying, I want to fire them. That's what I tend to have tried, have tended to see it. So if I am on the, the, have the wreck, they're having to walk me out. I am that guy that they're now taking care of. I don't want to do that, dude. I'll take care of other people, but I don't want to be taken care of. So it's, I said embarrassment. I, I would, you venture to say that the emotion would be shame. Mm -hmm. that. So here I am doing shame. Well, I just want to get healthy enough in my emotional intelligence, Brit, so I can fire that and I'll have to deal with it again. What I hear you saying is it's kind of like anxiety. Your body's supposed to do that. Shame is supposed to exist. The feeling of it, is that fair? That, it, whether it's supposed to or not, it, it does. Just, and it's a very human thing. And you're not, you have to be a sociopath to not feel shame.
Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. So those are your choices. Either work with the shame or be a sociopath, which means you can't fire that part of you. We have to sit down and have a conversation. So if you were in my office, we would do it like a therapy technique where we would actually have a chair, an empty, it's called the empty chair technique. And we would talk to the part of you that feels the shame, the part of you that's like, oh my God, I can't. And where did that story come from? Because nobody pops out with inherent shame. We're taught shame. We're conditioned towards shame. Somewhere is the story that men can't cry or women have to be good or whatever the thing is. We can reprogram that's the nice thing about the brain that we know neuroplasticity the brain you have is not the one you have to stay stuck with. But in order to reconfigure the wiring, we need to understand that all your parts are important and you can't fire any of them anyway. So you might as well, again, it's like having a team full of athletes that you can't trade. Like these are your guys. Okay. Britt, how much time do we have here? I'm going to take a different direction. It just dawned on me. Uh, it's your fault though. Okay. <laughs> Can we do blame on the show? Uh, sure. I read your book. I, I texted you about this. You know this. I read your book and you referenced Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. Rosenberg. Mm-hmm. It, it did and is rocking my world. I'm going through it for the second time right now. And for me to look at that shame, because this is because what you were just talking about brought me to this. Uh, I feel, oh, because you said how we're programmed. It, it's shame. You said that, that that's programmed in me. Well, yeah, because I have, you know, I was a pro athlete that the weak guy is judged. So I don't want to be that weak. So I've judged. So now I'm the weak guy. I don't want to, I feel shame. What's well, calling what it's doing is calling out my own judgment. I told the guy that I walked down with as well. Now I'm that guy. I'm forever going to now have compassion for the next guy who we're walking out. And I've never walked a guy out. He has, I never have. That's why he's walking me out. I've never been. So now I need to walk out that guy. So judgment. So back to nonviolent communication and Marshall, which uh, at some point we need to do a series on. Um, you would say, he would say, observe the feeling, right? Not, what's the other, evaluate, not evaluate mm-hmm. slash judge, observe it. And we are such a judgmentally programmed culture that if we get real with our emotions, we're going to have to, I'm, I, us, we, me, to realize, to accept the fact that I've, I've that's why I'm judging. I am judging everyone else. Now it happens to me. I judge myself. You're, you're, you're screwed in essence. Right. Yeah. And isn't it interesting? You're a father. Yeah. Would you ever leave one of your kids on the side of the road if they got into an accident? Nope. Not nope. even a question. Like it's not even a question, right? You're the parts of you that are the father parts, like your dad parts are like, what? That doesn't even clock. Like that's not even a thing. So what we want to do is have your father parts talk to your judgy parts. And this is where self-parenting comes into play. It's 
all, we all have voices in our heads. It's not a pathology. Like that's just how brains brain. And so what if you approach, again, if your kiddo got into an accident, you're not just going to leave them there. You're not going to, ju- you're going to teach them. So maybe next time they can find better, healthier ways of, and safer ways of operating. But you teach your children from a place of love and compassion. But none of us are taught that we can actually have our talk to ourselves mirror that because somewhere, and especially for men, somewhere compassion became synonymous with excuse. And it's not, it's not an excuse. It's not co-signing. It's saying, because I have compassion, I'm going to coach these parts of myself to do better or to, you know, whatever. But if one of your kids was so ashamed of, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. I I suck. I'm this guy. You would sit with him. You're not going to logically convince your kid otherwise, because when you're in a shame spiral, logic goes offline, but you're going to sit, you know, like when we're talking about sitting with emotions, this is like sitting with your kids when they're struggling. It's this, you already have the skill set. It's just transferring that to the, what the ones in your head. Yeah, this is, I, I, I hope this is paradigm shifting uh, for everybody as it is for me. That's what we're trying to do here is take these things. Because again, we dance around them so often, even that, I mean, in no, no uh, judgment you know, to my own therapist who said, sit in it. Well, and I'll put it on me. I should have said, what does that mean? Right. I mean, I get it conceptually. They're saying, don't block it off. Don't ignore it. Don't shelf it. Don't stuff it, whatever, sit with it. And I just took it that far. Go, okay, I get the conceptually, but I didn't take it further. Go, what, how does that look like? How do I go through that tunnel? How do I skillfully Say hi to the team member, acknowledge yeah. that that team member, say you just, you know, it's, it's shame. It's a part of the human condition, whatnot, and acknowledge it and then move past, kind of getting the cards on the table. Yes. And let's change the metaphor because the whole like sit with your emotions, that doesn't really click with anybody. So it's like, well, if it doesn't click with anyone, maybe it's the wrong way to approach it. And again, no shame. That's just how clinicians were taught to share this. Yeah. But rather than sit with it, what if we thought about coach it? This is a coachable moment, right? Like you are not your feelings. There's the, there's the Kevin, the capital K Kevin that observes all the things. And then there are the lowercase K's that feel all, you know, like we, we don't think about this, that there is the parts of us that think and feel the stuff. And then the parts of us that notice that we're thinking and feeling. So don't sit with your feelings, coach them. Like pretend this is one of your team members. What would you do in that moment? You'd sit on the bench, you'd have a conversation. You, I call timeouts with my team often, especially if I'm in a, a place where I'm going to say or do something that's not in alignment with how I want to show up. Right. It's like, okay, quick team meeting. And my husband doesn't, you know, he's an engineer and he's a Navy guy and he is very, very engineer minded, but he'll say to me like, Britt, do you maybe need a team meeting right now? Like, this seems like it might be one of those team meeting situations. I love and that. That's- I want to claw his head off, but he's right when he says that. It's like, oh, yeah, I have a team of people in my head. I don't need to sit with them. Coaches don't just sit in the locker room. Like, they, they do. Like, we're working. We're coaching. We're teaching. We're educating. And with children, you're leading. It's lead them. Don't sit with it. Lead it. But it starts with, again, developing the muscle of what do feelings actually feel like? And if you were so disconnected, you couldn't feel, we'd go out in the snow and you would stand there barefoot in the snow until you felt cold. And that's where we start. Okay. In coming, in coming through, having that discussion with, with, with your teammate, with this emotion that you're feeling, it's, and in this case, let's say a negative emotion. So here it is, you're acknowledging it. There it is. You're going to have a meeting and talk. Is the focal point, would you say it's understanding slash, you know, compassion for it? 
Cause I, cause I tend to look at it as I just want to resolve it. I want to resolve right. it. Do you do that with your kids? Well, I probably have. Sure. Um, Fair, but ultimately is the goal just to get the problem solved so they can go away and leave you alone. Don't ask me questions like that. I have a lot. Of <laughs> okay. no, no, my heart. Uh, no, I want to, I want to, well, now that, especially now that I know things like attachment issues. Yeah. My demeanor, it, like uh, go back to the it rocked my world. when my wife read something about attachment and when the kid comes in with a bloody knee and I'm just out of all care and concern and heart, I just let's, gosh, let's clean it up and get a bandaid on it and, and whatever. And then she said, Hmm, I'm reading here that it's better. Just give him a hug and be with her. Sure enough. It was so much, but half the time they don't even want the bandaid. They just run off again. Blew my mind. I still had the same heart for it, but a different, what? A different behavior? It's connection focused and not resolution focused. Okay. So that, right? so, okay. Connect. Is that the word then? Cause I said understanding versus resolve. Are you saying yeah. connecting? So, yeah. And this is where what you said with Julie about empathy is really relevant because yeah. you're like, I can't empathize as a man if you're if you had a difficult childbirth. And what right. she said was you don't need to have gone through the same thing to have empathy, witnessing someone and saying, I don't know what that's like. But like, like, I've never known what it's like to have an accident like you just had. But, you know, when I'm like, wow, like, I don't know that pain, but I know pain. And I, I am with you in this moment. Yeah. Like, I, I can't fix it. I can't offer up any like, oh, it's pat, pat there, there. It's just like, but I'm with you in this moment. And that's empathy is you don't have to really understand or relate. You just need to have your presence with whoever or whatever is in front of you, including with our own, all these skills about attachment and nonviolent communication are transferable to our thoughts. That connecting, I, I'm stuck on that, Brett, of kind of back to the, you know, the first foundation of leadership is leading myself. The first aspect of connecting is connecting with myself. Am I able to do that? Because on the other side, back to what Julia talked about, is the self-betrayal, uh, the self-division. And mm -hmm. that's what I see us do. That's what I resonated with so much. When I don't do this, I am betraying, well, we're back to truth and a dysfunctional truth. I'm betraying what's really there. And, and it seems when I talk about it, it seems so simple. Like, why is it such a big deal to go, you know, actually guys, I'm just, I'm kind of dealing with it. It's just, it was embarrassing, you know, to, 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 it's even worse than the pain of the broken bones right now is the embarrassment. None of them would have judged me because they all, they all would have known they would have felt the same darn way. And it probably would have been, I probably should send the text thread and say, okay, guys, I did a show now. Let me, re, let me retract or not retract, but come for it. Yeah, it was embarrassing. And I think they go, yes. totally get it. And yet I didn't, I didn't even think to connect with it. Honestly, didn't even think to, and I'm missing out and they are too. And it's not too late. Like, I really, really hope you do that because I, I am really looking forward to the message you will send me when you do that, because the only way to repair a rupture is through connection, but you can't be in connection if you're not honest. So again, this dysfunctional relationship with truth, what's the truth? You got into a wreck. It sucked. It was embarrassing. The only way that that wound heals is if you name it in front of the people and allow them the ability to show up for you in that way. Okay, I'm back on rupture again because thinking about when I don't do this, I'm totally using my own story, but it's just relevant as I sit here in a sling and pain meds, is that my tendency, even with my family to come in and be Mr. Stoic and now it's no big deal, is there's going to be a rupture because they feel the energy. 
So if yes. I'm sitting there in shame, they feel it. If I'm doing that with the guys and they're trying to just have, we had to drive three and a half hours, you know, back home from there. And, uh, and I, and I was pretty open and honest. I was, I, I couldn't hide it. Dude, I can't, I can't, I had, they had to hand me, you know, hand me food and, uh, honest to God, one of them had to help me put my pants on. So uh, it was, it was the real deal. And, but without that, I am probably, I'm going to rupture something with myself or with someone else. And I got to admit that I'm still not to the level of, of self-care enough to care about myself as much yet. I'm still thinking about, but I'm going to rupture it with my friend, wife, kid, whatever, when I'm not honest with, okay, this is what I'm really, I, 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 it was embarrassing or, you know, at work, this is what happened. I'm kind of scared. Um, or, or just, oh, gosh, this happened. I'm just, it's just, it was disgusted. I'm just, this is the, this is what's really happening. When we're talking, I, I love the idea of honesty. It rings true. And yet we have come to that place of feeling like it is, va- is there a better word? I'm using valiant, righteous, whatever. Maybe those are Christian terms, something like that. Uh, to not be honest and say, gosh, I really, when you said that, it really, gosh, it really offended me. It really angered me. No judgment. I guess that would be the different thing. Back to Marshall Rosenberg's thing of to evaluate. Gosh, this is how I felt. Not, uh, not, uh, I'm sorry, to observe. I said it wrong. To observe. When you said whatever, this or whatever happened, when I was, this is how I felt. But that's different than an evaluate. You made me feel this way. And we're on. Exactly. And and we all learned that it, it's the nice thing to do, not to burden people. And it's, yeah. it's you know, it's the better thing. Be strong. Be, you know, for men, it's be strong and be silent. And for women, it's be small and be nice. And both of those fully, like, are at the expense of truth. So if you seek goodness at the expense of truth, you're screwed. If you seek valiance at the expense of truth, you're screwed. It's like, yeah, be valiant, be heroic. And what's the missing piece here? The missing piece is I really don't want to be human who has fear, but like, I want to be, you could say to your family when they're like, are you okay? You can say, listen, guys, I really want to be strong for you. I really don't want to be a burden to you. I will be okay. But right now I'm actually not. And there's nothing I need from you. And there's nothing I want from you, but I'm not okay. If you're asking, I'm telling but that doesn't mean you're blubbering all over them. It just means you're being honest. Being honest. So, that's, that's, that's it. I went from my big athletic endeavors a week from t- for a week from today. I did a forty mile a jaunt in one day uh, with a bunch of guys. Yesterday or two days ago, the big thing, and now today, my biggest workout is going to the bathroom, and getting my pants up and down. So there's the there's honestly. I, I want to come back to what you said too with the emotion of. Cause I tend to, I shouldn't feel that. I don't want to feel that. I want to evolve beyond that and be so healthy or whatever that I don't. And you're saying just in a sense, I want to, if I forget that, because if it is, it just is period. And if it's shame, it just is. So right. me denying it or judging it does, it's there already. That just, I'm just making it harder. Then you're doing double work because your efforts to avoid your feeling are now going to create a whole nother situation. And if you, at the end of the day, want to feel better, now you got to go through both of them. So don't do double work. This again, this isn't about being soft. It's about being efficient. If you want to get from problem to solution, let's not add on imaginary stories of should and could, and this shouldn't have happened. And why did this happen? And this shouldn't be this way. Okay. But 
it did. And I don't know because it did. And either way it did. So let's just deal with the, what is instead of the, what may have been, should have been. Cause that's just a way, again, if you're just thinking unit for unit, that's a waste of energy units to spend there. You get no return on that. So let's spend our energy where we're actually going to get a return. That's just big medicine. Again, and looking at the thinking of, okay, I got one more question then. Because there are the times, I mean, we still have, we do, uh, shoot, I don't want to say discernment, discernment of discerning in a moment when it is, when it's time, because we're saying there is a moment where, what's a better term, Britt? Because you may say you never want to disassociate from your own feelings. Oh, yeah, you do. Oh, yeah, you do. Okay, go there. Go go with there. So saying, okay, in this moment, yeah, there's a place to, but then don't get stuck there. You've got to, you've got to have a place of reckoning. Yeah, you got to close the loop. Okay. Like you dissociating when you were getting yourself off the trail and into yeah. the car. Yeah. Thank God. Like, you know, like I have all kinds of feelings right now about every, you know, I have a hundred things in my life going on right now. And I could easily like indulge my side trail feelings about them, but yeah. I want to be here with you in this conversation. Yeah. So I'm very consciously disconnecting from every other aspect of my life right now in service of this. But when you and I get off this call and I'm done with my day, if I do not make time to go back to what I'm thinking it's, you know, if you don't lead your brain, your brain will lead you. When you lead your brain, you will have a good outcome. That's, when your brain leads you, you will not. That's almost a universal truth. Okay. That, that's like the mic drop. Say it again. When you say it again. If you don't lead your brain, your brain is going to lead you. If you're leading your brain, it's going to be uncomfortable and awkward and painful, but it's going to go well. And if you let your brain run the show without a leader, it will always default to survival. Your brain's not wired for happiness. Your brain's not wired for success. It's wired to keep you alive and pattern recognition, as Julia said. So if you let your brain lead you, it will lead you somewhere not good. We don't want to be in survival mode. That's not an ultimate optimized way to live. So lead your brain or it's going to lead you. Therefore, whatever you're dissociating from, you got to come back to it. Okay, that's probably worth the price of admission for me for the show, right there. But, <laughs> yeah, you may have to send an invoice. I'm, I'm gonna, okay, I want to give them some resources uh, for you and Julia and folks. As always, thanks for joining us on this journey to elevate our own experience and improve the way we show up for others. Now, we did talk about the muse uh, in, in part one of our series of Dr. Julia Deganji. Her book again is How to Discover and Correct Yourself limiting patterns. Now, this is Britt Frank. The Science of Stuck is her book. It's a new book. It's selling so much. I'm talking about it constantly. Uh, The Science of Stuck, Breaking Through Inertia to Find Your Path Forward. I'd also encourage you to go to Instagram and connect with Britt. I know when we did the first series, we did some reels or whatever that you collaborated on, and that was a lot of fun. But you can find her at Britt Frank, B-R-I-T-T-F-R-A-N-K on Instagram. Any other specific place? Uh, you want people to connect with you, Britt? That's usually where I spend most of my unboundary time on Instagram. <laughs> Come say hi. Okay, I'll be beautiful. there. <laughs> beautiful. I appreciate seeing what you put up there. So uh, just, just a gift. And folks, if you appreciate the podcast and want to share it with others, please rate the show on Spotify or leave us a review on Apple. And you can subscribe on YouTube at Kevin Miller CO and watch the whole episode. You can see the whole episode right here with Britt on YouTube if you want. I think you'll appreciate her smiling face and energy that exudes through the video. You can find me on social media at kevinmiller.co. And if you want to learn how to master your own inner drive, 
get my book, What Drives You on Amazon. And until next time, stay driven.